shotglassdigital.com. On this episode of Geek Out Loud, we were supposed to do the first book club episode. It's been postponed, but we've got some cool stuff to talk about anyway. Harrison Ford got hurt. We'll talk about that and so much more on your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. My name is Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you. Uh, I've got a couple of things to discuss. First off, we were supposed to do the book club episode this time around. However, my uh, helper with that bald rod uh, is not available tonight, so we're going to put off that until next week. Now, next week we'll be doing on uh, hopefully Wednesday night of next week, we'll be doing the book club episode. The first book that was chosen by the group over at Goodreads was The Hobbit. So we're going to be discussing the book, The Hobbit, not those three movies, but the book. And uh, we'll be taking calls, emails, tweets, etc., etc. next week about The Hobbit. So uh, if you haven't joined up with the book club yet, go do so. It's a Goodreads book club uh, over a, a Goodreads group. At goodreads.com, you can get there by going to geekoutonline.com slash reads. Geekoutonline.com slash reads. We got a lot of people over there, a lot of cool discussions going on. And uh, they basically choose what I read from month to month. Well, we all read, but I mean, I wouldn't be reading some of these things, I guess, if it weren't for them. So uh, so go over, let your voice be heard, and jump in on the conversations we're going to be having. I believe the book uh, for the month of April is The Martian by Andy Weir. Um, I'm going to need someone to fact check that for me, but I believe that's what's coming down the pipe. Hey, guys! Hope everyone's doing well. I want to introduce uh, one something really quickly that I'm really happy about. Um, you may or may not know I have a two-year-old nephew, and uh, he's about to make his first appearance ever on Geek Out Loud. Hi, Geeks. He said, hey, Steve. <laughs> that's my namesake. He's named after me, so that's pretty nice. But he just made hey, Steve. So I was pretty excited when I got that video a while ago, just before the show started. So, look, hey, my show, it's Geek Out Loud. I appreciate everything that goes on with you guys and your help and your listenership. But sometimes I just got to throw a little life out there, you know? Just got to throw a little life out there. When, when, when your namesake starts to say your name... It matters. It means something. It's special. 
You know what? Who You know who will appreciate this? Eris Schoenweiss. He's coming in a little bit later on. We've got a Pass the Corn segment. We're going to be doing live here tonight as we look forward to the uh, movies that are coming out in March. And uh, we've got to talk that Avengers trailer at some point, guys. That's going to be some good stuff. And, uh, of course, just before we went live tonight, Harrison Ford, it was reported Harrison Ford was in a plane accident. It's really interesting, Variety, and, and, and you know, TMZ was first on the scene to report anything, but Variety began to kind of post things, and the first headline was Harrison Ford critically injured, then it was he was in serious condition, and now it's just Harrison Ford injured in a plane crash. He was hospitalized uh, after crash landing a plane in Venice, California. Uh, he landed on the Pinmark golf course after something apparently went wrong mechanically with a single-engine plane around 2.25 p.m. Pacific. He was transferred to L.A. Hospital, where he was listed in fair to moderate condition, according to the L.A. Fire Department. Initial reports uh, from law enforcement described the actor's injuries as critical. Ford suffered multiple lacerations, was the only one aboard the plane, and the only person who sustained injuries. According to witnesses, he was able to walk away from the crash. And isn't any crash you can walk away with considered a good landing? That's what I hear. It was later attended to by two physicians who were on the scene. They were on the scene playing golf, is what these physicians were doing. Uh, there was blood all over his face, Howard Tabe, an employee at Pinmar Golf Course, told NBC News. Two very fine doctors were treating him, taking good care of him. I helped put a blanket under his hip. Well, thank you. Uh, Howard Tabe. He's an avid pilot. Of course, we know this of Ford. He's a licensed to fly helicopters and fixed-wing aircraft, and he's crashed in the past. Um, so a lot of jokes went up online quickly. Of course, you know, everyone's got to be the first of the punch with Starfighter or Star Pilot, you know, jokes and that sort of thing, best Star Pilot in the Galaxy. I just say we wish Harrison Ford the best. Hope he's okay. Hope he's well. Uh, you know, plane crash, nothing to sneeze at. You, we're not... We are not by uh, nature, flyers, ladies and gentlemen. The human. The, uh, let's talk a little bit about the human anatomy, really quickly. We're not built to fly. All right, we're just not. We're not birds. We don't have hollow bones or wings or whatever it is else that helps birds fly. We just don't have that. So, Harrison Ford uh, taking. You know, he is a man's man. Look, I'm. I'm serious as a heart attack. Harrison Ford is everything that I wish I was as a man. He is, he's, he, he's fearless, he's tough, he's just, he can fix cabinets, and he can fly planes and helicopters. So, uh, but we do wish him the best and, and hope he's well. Not just because we want movies, but because he's a human being, people. Come on. He's a human being. So, we wish him the best. Uh, but very quickly, um, <clears throat> very quickly, the news went from critically injured to serious, to fair to moderate conditions. So uh, he's going to be sore in the morning, ladies and gentlemen, no doubt about that. Uh, but uh, maybe have a few more scars other than that one on his chins. But um, but I guess uh, I guess he'll be. We're hoping, we're hoping he'll be all right. So um, <clears throat> moving right along. I want to say thanks to everyone who has... A, that was a terrible segue. I'm sorry. I took a pause and uh, to breathe, to collect my thoughts, and and I completely screwed up the segue. There's a lot of pressure on me these days, I feel like, because I, I have friends who are actually in broadcasting who listen to these shows, Scott Rifen being one of them, Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio being one of them, um, and, and these guys listen, and I'm always like, I've got to be good enough 
for the broadcasters. I got to be good enough for these guys who do this professionally to to think that Steve does a good job. So, and I hope everyone enjoys what I'm doing. But you know, when you find out that there are people in the business listening to you, it adds a little bit of extra level of pressure. So I'm just saying, just saying. I want to say thanks to everyone who does support the show, not only by listening and subscribing on iTunes and leaving reviews on iTunes, but by using the Amazon links, geekoutpodcast.com and geekoutonline.com. If you're ever doing any Amazon shopping, just bump over to geekoutpodcast.com first. Just bookmark that site, head there, use that link, and then do your shopping at Amazon as you normally would. It really helps us out, and um, and it helps it out in a big, bad way, paying for hosting fees and, and other stuff that goes on. We're trying to make the show better, progressively better. We're, we 2015 is going to be the year where we get good. We have been mediocre. We have been swimming in the seas of mediocrity, ladies and gentlemen. But 2015 is the year where we get good. Boom. That's that's and and the, and it starts with you using the Amazon links. So, also if you support the shows directly at Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/slash/GeekOutLoud. Thank you so much uh, for doing that. Our featured supporter is Corey Gendron, or maybe Gendron. I'm not sure if it's a soft G. Anyhow, Gendron controls the forces of gravity around himself, objects, and others, from the largest building to the most microscopic organism. So, that bag of cash you're trying to get away with? Good luck with that. Corey Gendron. I'm going to say Gendron. Our featured supporter this week on Geek Out Loud. Let's jump into some emails. Ladies and gentlemen, do we have some emails? We got to catch up. I, let me tell you what I'm loving right now in my life. Uh, back in the day when Geek Out Loud first got started and we really got rolling along, there would be times where I would read through some emails and still have several left that I had to get to the next show. And by the time I got to the next show, there were more emails. And so I'd get through and there'd be several left for the next show and more and to the point that we'd had to do episodes where we just had to catch up you know, on, on what had been emailed in, and that's starting to happen again. And so I feel like we're getting back to a place where we used to be as far as listener interaction, and it excites me because you guys, you know, for I joke about Scott and Jimmy Mack listening to the shows and, and kind of feeling the pressure for them. You guys who are listening, the listener makes a show, and you're the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe, and I appreciate you so much. Mike Dunn chimes in about Star Trek, of all things. Why are we starting about Star Trek? But Mike says, hey, I listened to Goal 122 the other day. Absolutely loved Hill Steve shooting on the latest Star Trek movie. Your points were right on, bro. And this is coming from someone who liked the 2009 film, seeing it twice in the theater and multiple times on DVD. But Into Darkness is just a very flawed movie. It does have some entertaining bits, and it is annoyingly watchable. But the more I think about it, the more I dislike it. I won't even get into little fanboy things that bothers me. The Enterprise in the Ocean, Carol Marcus with the British accent, etc. Hey, Carol Marcus with the British accent was amazing and amazingly hot. So we're just going to leave it at that. I'm, I love Carol Marcus in this movie. I thought The Enterprise in the Ocean was quite cool. I think, it, to me, it makes a certain amount of sense that if you're going to be able to survive in space, that you'd have the same capabilities to kind of park underwater 
Never had a problem with that. My biggest problem, he says, is Benedict Cumberbatch's con was a waste of a great performance. <clears throat> now, look what he says here. I think this is great. Ladies and gentlemen, take heed. Goliverse listeners, Goliverse uh, dwellers, check this out. He says, Benedict Cumberbatch's con was a waste, but he doesn't stop there, of a great performance. He's acknowledging that Benedict Cumberbatch did a great job, but he's saying the role was not his choice for the role. I think it's I think it's sound criticism without being too harsh. Well, well done, Mike Dunn. Mike Dunn uh, saw the film opening. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, I lost. He was a rogue. I'm sorry. Where am I at? I saw the film opening night, and the audience audibly groaned when the big reveal came about halfway through the movie. Why did he need to be caught? Personally, I was hoping for Garth of Izar. As the villain, he was a rogue starship captain and a personal hero of Kirk from the Academy, featured in the original series episode uh, from season three, Whom's God Destroy, or Whom Gods Destroy. I got my wrong, I got the S misplaced there. There's no such word as Whom's, Whom's God, Whom Gods Destroy, Garth of Izar, or Izar. The character was briefly considered for the hill in Star Trek II, Back in the 80s, but the actor who played him had unfortunately passed away at an early age. Then, to top it off, that awful business at the end, mimicking Wrath of Khan, felt more like parody than homage. Hmm. Not only did Kirk's death lack the punch of Spock in the original movie, his resurrection was totally unearned. On the Genesis planet, Kirk had to sacrifice both the Enterprise and his son David to bring Spock back from the dead. In this thing, the only thing that's sacrificed is a Tribble. Here, here! But we do love Tribbles. Hopefully the next movie steers clear of retreading old plot lines. Maybe bringing the Borg into this new universe would shake things up? Hmm. I don't know. <clears throat> I apologize. Uh, by the way, second the love... Uh, by the way, second the love for your under... under pre, for, I'm sorry. By the way, second your under... Wait. <clears throat> I... I'm sorry. Let me go back to kindergarten and learn to read, ladies and gentlemen. By the way... I second your love for the underappreciated search for Spock. Reverend Jim from Taxi and Dan Fielding from Night Court says Klingons. Can't beat that. You said you were going to kill me. I lied. And the destruction of the Enterprise still gives me chills. What have I done, Bones? What you always do. Turn death into a fighting chance for life. That original Trek trilogy of Khan, Spock, and Voyage Home was always right up there with Back to the Future, Indiana Jones... And Star Wars as a way to waste a weekend as a young geek. Anyway, great show. Keep up the good work, guys. Admiral, there be wells here. And that's from Mike Dunn. You know, I, Mike, you put it, I don't know anything about Garth. of. I know about Garth from Wayne and Garth, but I don't know anything about Garth of Ezar. I've tried to do the original series of Trek, and I just can't get into it. I just, I, and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying, I'm saying that personally, it's not right up my alley. It's not something that that just jumps off the screen, and um, and and grabs me. I just I can't get into it. Um, and you won't hear me making fun of it. You don't. I mean, you're not going to hear me make fun of the original series of Star Trek at all because there's nothing. I recognize there's nothing to make fun of. It it was a it was a masterpiece of its time. You know, even though the ratings weren't that great, you know, but it it found its life in syndication and in reruns. And and it sparked um you know a fandom that has lasted all these years and with good reason obviously it, it it resonates with people just not just not with me so uh so I'm unfamiliar 
with old Garth of Ezar. Uh, Andy Lindemann chimes in. Steve! That's how he starts the email. We got a couple of days out of school due to snow and ice this week and took the opportunity to finally watch Days of Future Past and The Wolverine. I have a couple of quick questions and comments about each. The Wolverine, he says, not a great movie, but not bad. Better than Origins, in my opinion. At least the story sort of made sense, except what Viper did. Uh, what did Viper have to gain from all of this? And there was no Deadpool. I know it's going to put me in a teeny tiny minority, but I've never been a Deadpool fan in the comics or in the movie, although he was kind of funny in the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. Anyway, I still think Hugh Jackman owns the role, and while some folks are tired of the studio playing the Wolverine card every time a mutant-related movie is made, he's still great at it. Days of Future Past. Okay, this was a, quote, sleight of hand. Well, let me put my, let me, tink, tink. That's quote fingers, ladies and gentlemen. Tink, tink. Sleight of hand reboot. Was this that, he says? I was led to believe that First Class was the reboot, but Days of Future Past seemed to be more of a reboot, and now the future, up to Last Stand anyway, is back to dink dink normal, and all of our favorite characters that were killed in Last Stand are back alive. I did like the mix of the actors slash characters from the older films with the new, and I'm always down for time travel stories. But here were my questions. Did I miss how Xavier survived being atomized by Jean Grey? Logan's, uh, Logan's claws are back. Well, I didn't know they were gone until I watched Wolverine. Uh, Kitty Pride can send people back in time. When was that in her power list? I think in the original comic storyline that Kitty Pride's actually the one who goes back in time. And I think it's because like she learns to phase through time, not just, not just objects in space, but she learns to phase through time a little bit. And so I think what they did so that we, Wolverine would be our character going back in time. I think the idea was so we'd have Wolverine on screen to use him, even though Ellen Page is an incredible actress and, and I think would have done a great job. But audiences love Wolverine, and so I think that's what that whole situation was. Anyway, aside from seeing Jake, uh, Jackman's naked butt, I thought it was a solid movie, and I would definitely watch it again. But by the disc, uh, maybe by the disc this time. Ooh, one final question. The apocalypse tease at the end. Besides telekinesis, what is his power set? Is he Marvel's answer to Darkseid, or maybe the other way around? Thanks, and have a great weekend. That's from Andy Lindemann. Um, Apocalypse is just dang powerful. I mean, it, when it really comes down to it, he is, he is super, super powerful, and he recruits uh, other mutants or other super-powered beings to be his four horsemen. Um, Angel was one of his, you know, became the Archangel because of Apocalypse. He he will change something about them. I think Wolverine was actually a horseman one time. The Hulk was a horseman for him at one time. Uh, he's not Marvel's answer to Dark Side. That would be Thanos. Um, Thanos is more along the lines of a Dark Side. Apocalypse is just all about. Again, when you get into these mutant stories, a lot of times it becomes this mutant agenda. And Dark Sides, I'm sorry, Apocalypse's mutant agenda just goes a lot deeper than um, than Magneto's. You know, it, it's more like I'm destined to rule the world. Period. You know, there's I don't care if it's humans, mutants, or otherwise. I'm destined to rule the world because Apocalypse is considered the first mutant, and uh, I think I think his I think immortality is mixed in there with his power set too. So I'm uh, I'm not really sure um so <laughs> doc zen if i could face through time um so i now asking the chat he says can we talk about shield tonight i've turned to the chat real quickly from the emails we can't because i've not watched it yet as soon as i watch it we'll talk about it 
Um, moving on. Oh, woo, woo! As Kim chimes in, he says, "Steve, uh, a question, a thought popped in my head when I saw a message uh, for your Patreon commentary for Iron Man three. Since Daredevil will not be released until April tenth, in your opinion, does the Defenders fall into Phase two or Phase three? Because Guardians of the Galaxy." I don't think we'll have much to do with Age of Ultron, but the Guardians of the Galaxy is considered is considered Phase Two. So is Defenders Phase Two or Phase Three? I think the Defenders is TV. I know it's all connected. This is going to be happening post. Um, this is going to be happening post uh, the Daredevil. At least will be happening post the Battle of New York. But I don't know that it's going to be happening post Age of Ultron. I think it depends on where on the timeline it falls. You know, obviously, if it's all connected, there's going to be talk of Ultron or talk of the aliens. And so, I don't know. I will, I, that's one of those wait-and-see kind of things. Um, he also chimes in, does woo about the uh, Age of Ultron uh, trailer and a question that comes from him. He says, I must admit this question comes from something IGN TV said about the Vision. They stated that the jewel on the Vision's forehead in the third trailer could be an Infinity Stone, specifically the Soul Gem. Do you think this could be the Soul Gem, or do you think it could be something different? And if it is the Soul Gem, do you think this is a good move, moving toward Infinity Wars this soon? Thanks. Uh, well, first off, let me let me back up. Moving toward Infinity Wars this soon. They were moving toward Infinity Wars from the end of Avengers. And really, they were moving toward Infinity Wars without, even real, without us even realizing it uh, from Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, but the minute Thanos is on screen at the end of Avengers, they're moving toward Infinity Wars. Um, I don't think it's a soul gem. Vision has always had that gem on his head. I don't think it's an infinity stone at all. Uh, I think it's just a, a vision design. He's always had that thing on his head. And, and so they're just keeping the look right along there with the comic books. So, uh, I, I think it's something, I think IGN may be reading a little there. Now, and the thing is though, IGN is pretty credible and sometimes they, they have their ear to the ground a little bit deeper than I'm able to have my ear to the ground and other people. Uh, do but um i think they may be digging a little bit too deep uh this time this time around um we've got two more uh, we've got so many guys so many uh matthew marks chimes in he says great to hear you and Arish talk about rocky and rambo i haven't actually seen any of the rambo movies i watched the first rocky about a year ago after hearing you talk about it i was a bit underwhelmed but I think it was because I went looking for a boxing movie, so I kept waiting for everything to pass so I could see the fighting. I didn't really give the story the focus it deserved. I'll have to give another chance. Yeah, Matthew, you will, because it is a great story. And I tried to make that clear when I was talking about Rocky, is that is that, that first, and even the second movie, more than any of the others, um, and he tried to return to it in five, but the first and second movie are really the story of a man who gets an opportunity. A man who has been down on his luck, a guy who he's not the worst guy in the world. He's made some bad choices, and he just finally gets a shot, you know, gets that one moment in time, that one shot, and what he does with that. Rocky Two is the fallout from that, which leads into, you know, taking that shot and, you know, you're the best around. Though that's not from Rocky Two. Um, I think you should really give him a chance again. And, and try to get to know the characters because Rocky, the whole Rocky series to me is all about the characters that surround this guy. Adrian has the biggest story arc throughout all five movies that she's in 
uh, as far as the way she changes and grows. Um, Rocky changes and grows along and along, but it, it's it's not as much. He learns something progressively in each movie. Adrian just grows as a character from movie to movie. Pauly stays the same. Pauly is always Pauly is always Pauly. Uh, and Rocky Balboa is, man, heart-wrenching, and, and I can't wait for Creed. I will be in the theater for Creed. Still looking forward to your Stallone slash Aragorn Bad Impersonations Theater? Oh, we should do that. I'll, you know what? I'll make this commitment to you, Matthew Marks. Next week on the Hobbit episode, I'll do it. Thank you for another reminder that I need to read Ready Player One. The Kindle edition is only $4 on Amazon, so I should be reading that soon, probably after Heir to the Jedi, which comes out tomorrow at the time of this writing. It was yesterday, as, or I'm sorry, two days ago as of today. Uh, not to mention, I'd like to reread The Silmarillion, The Hobbit, and The Lord of the Rings, thanks to the Goldiverse Book Club, and read a whole bunch of Arthurian books, thanks to Geek Out Loud. And I'm halfway through Frank Herbert's Six Dune books, also thanks to Geek Out Loud. Who'd have thought that one podcast could make a man want to read so much? Stay geeky, my friend. And that's from Matt Marks. I can't vouch for the Dune stuff. Arthurian legend, I'm going to say Stephen R. Lawhead's Pendragon Cycle. It's one of the best tellings of the Arthurian legend uh, that I've read in my lifetime. It's not one of the greats. You know, it's not T.H. White. And, uh, you know, it's not Lamorte Arthur. But it is, it's one of the greatest... Uh, it, it to me, I just dug it. I completely was absorbed into that story from the from the fall of Atlantis to the reign of King Arthur. It's it's pretty impressive. So uh, I would check that out. Stephen R. Larhead Lawhead's uh, Pendragon Cycle. All right, <clears throat> now guys, we're coming to a really. I'm so nervous right now about what we're about to do. Um. Let me uh, let me prep the next segment really quickly, guys, because I just I gotta. I mean, like I'm sincerely nervous about what we're about to do. If you recall, last episode we had an email from a young lady named Rena. Rena wanted to um, wanted to uh, get a shout out to her friend Cody, who had gotten injured, had a you know fallen on some hard times, and. Um, just wanted to, you know, to get a geek out loud shout out to him, and of course we're glad to do that. And I began to be, and I began to talk love connection. I I put it out there, you know, just trying to embarrass both of them, just playing around, you know. Um, and uh, guys, things have gotten real. All right, I'm just, I'm gonna say that. First off, Tate emailed us, and he says this is Tate. I'm a classmate of both Cody and Rena here at law school. Cody introduced me to your show today, and I about died laughing that you called him and Rena out. As a friend of both of them, I can confirm that the sparks have been flying between these two lovebirds for quite some time now. They're taking things a bit slow, it seems, but love is definitely in the air. Insert meme of Sheldon Cooper disinfecting the air. Finally, fun fact about myself, I frequently wear a 12th Dr. Coat and the purple 11th Dr. Coat with matching bow tie to class. Cody likes to make fun of me for cosplaying at law school, but the amount of compliments I get on my clothing evidence that my clothing choices are recognized as more than cosplay and are actually professional looking. Who'd have thunk it? Not me, Tate. Not me. So Tate calling his friends out saying, hey guys, something's there. There's definitely a connection. And now we hear from 
Cody. <clears throat> Hi, Steve. Cody here. It was on my birthday, February 18th, in which the injury occurred. I was going back to my apartment to grab my computer after leaving it at home. I was running a tad late, so I was laser-focused on where I was going. Before I knew it, I was as I was going through the parking lot that was covered in an inch of ice, I slipped and fell on my behind and got a compression fracture on my back. My neighbor, whom bears a striking uh, who bears a striking resemblance to Peter Capaldi, came to my aid and called an ambulance. The ambulance carted me away to the emergency room, and I spent five hours in the hospital getting doped up on pain meds and x-rays and CT scans. I'm doing pretty well, considering I'm wearing a back brace that looks something looks like something from out of a control suit for, for a Pacific Rim robot. So far, I've been called Batman, Vader, and Bane for my, class weights, for my classmates, to which I'll respond, You merely adopted the fracture. I was born with it, Darth Vader breathing, Darth Vader breathing. Now, Steve, I have this good friend named Rena. <clears throat> Let me get into the long-distance requests and dedications. So here we go. Now, Steve, I have this good friend named Rena. She is a one-of-a-kind girl. Did you know she shot a bear that was chasing her in the face? Time out. First off, let's talk sentence structure. She did not, the bear was not chasing her in the face. She shot a bear in the face as it was chasing her. That's awesome and scary. I now, Rena, if you're listening, I just want you to know, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I wasn't trying to pick on you too hard. I'm officially scared of you. She's like the law student equivalent of Jason Swank Adventurous Angel. Now, as two people who have been loyal listeners to the Goliverse for many years, she's the first person I have ever met that listened to a Goliverse show that was not prompted by me. So I have a message for Miss Rena Olson. Mm. Here we guys, here we go. Guys, get ready. This is gonna be so amazing. Get ready. I need music. I need I need a I need a good song for this. Oh. Alright. Um Why is my computer acting so slowly? Why? Okay, here we go. I think this will be a good one. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Cody's got a message for Rena. Yeah. Working on the no, I don't think that's a no. I don't I don't know. This. Um hmm, let's see. Uh okay, yeah, we'll do this. Rena, I've never quite met a girl like you. You're the one girl I can hold a six-hour conversation that runs the gamut from Marvel, Superman, Indiana Jones, Transformers, and Star Wars, as well as many non-geek endeavors. You were the first person who came to see me after I broke my back. I know we're in law school and we have a lot on our plate, so what I want to do might not occur this semester, but nevertheless, I want my intent to be known in front of the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe. Rena, would you like to go out sometime? It's a pity it's March. How epic would our first date be as the midnight premiere of Star Wars Episode 7? 
However, I can't deny we've hit it off and this is something that shouldn't be put off longer than it already has. We can figure out this crazy thing called life together. Rena, that's Cody asking you out. So you know what I'm saying. Come and get your love. Cody, I hope it works out for you. Rena, it's just a date. It's He's not asking you to, you know, he's just asking you on your date. Come on. Go out with the guy. Let him take you out for a hamburger, a shake, you know, milkshake or something. Whatever you crazy kids do these days. You know, go down to the sock hop and dance to a few tunes. I don't know. I'm an old man who hasn't been on a date in a long, long time. Steve got to say, man, says Cody, you know how to call him. I'll keep you up to date as her reply. Thanks for everything. And that's from Cody. Now, what will be really great is, uh, Rena, if you email in with your answer, yay or nay, uh, and and we read it on the show. I think that'll be the, I think that'll be the, um, that'll be the key. That'll be good times. So, whew, I'm so nervous. I am so nervous right now about what's going on because, uh Listen, it's hard. Ladies, I don't think you understand how hard it is for dudes to ask you out. It's it's a hard. It's not easy. So so give the guy a break. All right, it's that time. As we move out of the emails, we're going to move into uh, a segment started on the last episode of Geek Out Loud. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Pass the Corn. Pass the Corn. And here with us to talk all things cinema, ladies and gentlemen, my brother from another mother. What's up, Irish? What's up, Steve? How you doing, man? Good, man. Well, Tell I feel get your love, baby. I hear. <laughs> I mean, we're making love connections on the we, Geek Out Loud. We got to work on that intro for Pass the Corn, though. <laughs> I, I appreciate that you threw something together, but well, that was our good friend Jimmy in Georgia. Uh, he threw it together during the show last week after I oh, played nice. our segment. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Uh, and, and so I just, I've got it here and, and you know, I, I keep expecting us to change the name at some point, but since we were hollering past the corn at each other on rebel yell last night, Oh man, I'm trying to make it work. Hashtag past the corn. Hashtag- <laughs> <laughs> that out. Well, you always see corn twice. So- oh, yeah. Sitting in a movie theater next to your buddy. Hey man, pass the corn. Pass the corn. I don't. I don't talk that way. That's what's so funny is I. I don't. Eat, I don't snack when I go to movies, Eric. Oh, I, 
it's not a movie unless you got a bucket of corn in front of you and like a beverage. Yeah, I just I don't. I just I'm like I'm here to see the movie and people look at me like I'm the weirdest thing. I may get some Reese's pieces. Okay. Yeah. But that's like two. You're done with your Reese's piece. Oh, Reese's pieces not right. Peanut not peanut butter, butter cups. cups. Yeah, Reese's pieces. All right, E.T. I'm a, I, I'm feeling. All right, E.T. <laughs> bucket of corn. Soda. If it's if you're feeling really frisky, yeah. you know maybe some milk duds. But oh. you gotta sprinkle them into the corn. Oh my gosh! So you get that salty and sweet. Mm. Uh, or like peanut M and M's work really well for that. Some people dig the raisinets. I'm not a raisin person, so don't touch them. I'm not a fan of raisinets. No, no. I'll do the goobers. You know the chocolate covered peanuts. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like if you're gonna go chocolate covered peanuts, you might as well do peanut M and M's. Yeah. It's better chocolate too. I don't like the the chocolate on goobers. No, They're too. Uh, it's too waxy. It's too waxy, and it's not. You know, the promise of M and M's back in the day was melts in your mouth, not in your hands, yeah. and that's very important when you're eating chocolate with not, you know, in the theater. Peanut M and M's, you get that extra layer of the candy coated shell on the outside. That's right. It just adds that little something extra. Yeah, to but it. when you're eating those goobers, you're sitting there in the dark, and before you know it, you've kind of wiped something on your face. You've wiped on, and when the lights come up, you got brown stuff all over you. It's like, what happened to you during the movie? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't want to be walking out of the theater with brown stuff all over mm-mm, you. No, that's just weird. That's just weird. Back in the day. Um, when when we had a movie theater in the little town I live in when I was a kid and I'd go to the movies, they used to have the really good... People nowadays call it chewy ice. It's just crushed ice, basically, you know, flaky crushed ice in for their drinks. And uh, so I would get a large Mountain Dew and a thing of sweet tarts. And I'd come out uh, of the movie... My parents must have loved you afterwards. Oh, man. off the ceiling. I, I would just come out of parents... I mean, I'm sure my pupils were dilated and I was just... You know, I was a crazy can we go again, man. Mom, 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 can we go again? Can we hey, go again? Hey, that was a really great movie. You guys got to go see this movie. Um, now, I've never really reacted to sugar real bad like that. I don't think. I don't know. I, I'm a popcorn fiend. Well, I just I'm not a I'm not a snacker at the movies. But here's what we decided to do, and, and I thought Eric had a great idea because one of the things I I want to do is look back at some of the great movies that are having, you know, 25, 30, you know. 20, in some cases, even 20-year anniversaries. And, of course, at one point, we'll talk about a very important movie that's a 10-year anniversary this year. But he also said, why don't we every now and again or every month take a look ahead at what's coming out that month? Because this year, particularly, is kind of stacked. This year is insane. It's it's nuts, man. It is it is nutso. And, you know, I think of the big ones, you know, like your Avengers, like your Ant-Man and, and others. But uh, But there's some good stuff that I didn't realize was coming out. Uh, some some titles that are hitting theaters coming up soon uh, that I, I'm very interested in now after after kind of looking and seeing what's coming out this month. Um, you want to just go chronologically real quick? Or are there a few of these you want to pick out? Well, I think we could kind of go and order a date. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of, let's see if you know maybe we can find a nice little movie here for uh, Rena and Cody to to go oh, to. Oh, that's on their right. First date. That's right. Yes. There's a, there's a couple choices here depending on what they might be into. That's true. Well, first off, coming out this Friday is Chappie. Chappie. Neil Blomkamp directing this thing. He was uh, D- District Nine and Elysium. I didn't see Elysium. I don't think. I would be a lot more excited for Chappie if I had not seen Elysium. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I watched it. I feel like I did. 
I feel like I saw Matt Damon. Yes, I watched it because he it's got Matt the... Damon with like the super suit on. Yeah, and he had to yeah. Go up to the really cool space station and that killed... was he had to overseen go kill... by Jodie Foster. Yeah, he had to go kill Jodie Foster or something. Well, I... he wasn't trying to kill her. He was he was just trying to get like a med bed that could like you know heal. Was people. he trying to heal himself or? I think he was trying to heal himself, but also there was I thought there was like some girl or little kid yes, or something yes. that he was trying to save also it, it's all about class and society and that sort of yeah. thing and i and i get it it was a little too heavy-handed but district nine man is one of those nine, i really dug it stuck with me i really dig that movie it's it's funny in parts but when when everything starts to fall apart for that dude it's just i mean it, it's just nuts from there on out and you just kind of want to see the sequel when they all come back you know <laughs> And are like, now we're going to wipe you out. <laughs> but I think the thing, part of the thing that made District 9 such a standout movie for me, and District 9 was nominated for Best Picture of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very unique look. Yes. And I think if with Chappie, it's like, okay, well, this is the third movie in a row that's looked like, you know, or second movie in a row now that he's done that's looked just like District 9. Really? Because I didn't think Elysium looked like District 9. It didn't have that documentary feel to it. That well, District... but I'm talking in terms of the in terms of the setting, like how the people oh, okay. are living in, like, you know, the slums. And right, you've got, right. you've got the high-tech mech mixed in with that. And you've got right. some very fanciful sci-fi elements mixed in. And the world felt very similar. Yeah. And now here we are with Chappie. Uh, where once again it, it's like we're in that same world again, and I'd really I'd like to see him, you know, step outside that what I feel is becoming a comfort zone for right. him. Well, now is he writing, directing these things? Is he is he a writer? I think director? so. Yeah. Okay. He um, I, I feel like like I say, District Nine was just uh, grabbed me more than Elysium did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chappie, I'm interested because you know Hugh Jackman's involvement. And, and his mullet. He's and, got quite the mullet. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, he, uh, I'll read the synopsis really quickly. It says, um, this is the synopsis from the movie, Every child comes in the world full of promise, and none more so than Chappie. He's a gifted, special prodigy. Like any child, Chappie will come under the influence of his surroundings, some good, some bad, and he will rely on his heart and soul to find his way in the world and become his own man. But there's one thing that makes Chappie different from anyone else. He's a robot. The first robot with the ability to think and feel for himself. His life, his story will change the way the world looks at robots and humans forever. So this is this is a robot with the AI. This is the beginning of Terminator. Yes, but Chappie is kind. Well, so I am Chappie, I am consciousness. Mm. Why Chappie? What a <laughs> It's an acronym for something. Okay. All right. I just I believe so. I'm like I'm what a Chappie? Um, you mentioned to me that, that Blomkamp is uh, investing his own money to develop a potential sequel to Alien? Well, th- this, is, this is actually quite an interesting story that's happened over the, uh, the last month or so. As Blomkamp was in post-production of Chappie, he's been a lifelong fan of the first two Alien movies. Mm-hmm. And he's just he he kind of started developing his own alien movie on his own hmm. you know he, he I, I think from uh an interview that was posted recently on entertainment weekly it sounded like 
he uh, had he had the chance to meet with Sigourney Weaver and talk to her about Ripley a little bit, and he started developing what we believe is a screenplay for it. But he also put some money into developing his own concept art for what his Alien movie might look like. And he reached a point in late January, I believe, where he kind of just, he was doing all this on his own. And he realized that, you know, it wasn't the movie that he wanted to direct next or something else that he wanted to do next. So he posted some of this artwork on Instagram. Naturally, you know, it was like a wildfire lit up. It started floating around all over the place. To the point where, you know, it got, I believe it got the attention of 20th Century Fox. Well, yeah. And uh, since then, there have been conversations. And basically, he has said that once Fox found out he was doing this, they were willing to do it, like, sight unseen. Really? And it was up to him whether he wanted to make it his next movie or not. And I think that it was just, he realized that he couldn't pass on the chance to, you know, follow his dream and so right. now they're actually developing this movie and they're wow. being super secretive about whether it's gonna abandon uh three four three and four mm-hmm. and just follow after one and two like that's what all the speculation is right now and he's not talking i need to revisit alien and aliens um i've seen them like once or twice oh you i know? freaking love both and, the, of them. and they especially stick- aliens yes yeah well yeah and they stick with you. I mean, you know, like all the imagery and all the quotes and everything, when I hear people, I know where it's from. It's just like, it, it just, because they were rated R growing up and everything, it was something I didn't see until later on in life. And um, and I just haven't revisited them in a while. And, and I need to do that. Have you seen the retro, uh, the reaction figures? Who does those? Is that Sideshow doing yeah. those? Yeah. Yeah. Are you talking about the ones that look like they're made in like 1977? Right. Yes. Like cost like $20 yes. each. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've seen those. I've, I've seen I've seen them do some alien stuff with those. They look those look pretty neat. But um, so so anyhow, Chappie's coming out Friday. Are you looking for? Is this something you're looking forward to? Or I'm not going to rush out to yeah. see it in the theaters. Yeah, it'll probably be one I grab uh, on iTunes. You know, rent on iTunes or Redbox yeah, or, or some such. Netflix or yep. something like that in a few months. Yeah, I mean, there's parts of it that intrigue me, but like I, said, I just I was not. I was really disappointed with Elysium, and so I'm a little gun shy on this one. Right, right. Um, if this isn't, I mean, are, are we going to start saying, you know, M Night? If this, if this third one's not as solid as we would like it to I, be, I don't know. I, I might be a little too soon for that. Right. I, I think certainly the possibility of this Alien movie he's working on could. Oh my gosh! Completely, because yes. I actually think that his. His aesthetic would fit really well mm-hmm. with an alien story. Sure, yeah. So I'm actually excited about what he's working on here. Do you think? And and his concept art had had Scorny, it had Hicks. So if he's found a way to bring Hicks back and make it work, then <laughs> I'm all in, hundred percent. Do you think that maybe with like his uh, with with District Nine and Elysium and now Chappie? Because of the similar looks, do you think he's trying to go for some kind of shared universe, just jumping across timelines? He might be. Yeah. He might be. I just think it's. I think a lot of it is kind of influenced by possibly where he grew up. Right. Right. You know, he, he grew up in South Africa, so I think you know it's it's a little bit of you know he's telling stories, in in, in an area that he's comfortable with. Sure. Sure. 
Um, also coming out Friday, I don't know how much we have to say about this, Unfinished Business with uh, Vince Vaughn and Dave Franco. Um, yeah. I, I saw where they did some like a... Uh, some pictures that look like those cheesy shots that would be in business training manuals and that sort of thing. Uh, they 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 took they intentionally took pictures like that to kind of put out as as uh, promotional material. But uh, but you ask an interesting question here. You say, are we excited about a Vince Vaughn movie anymore? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that. In, in all honesty, I think that that's the big question mark regarding this movie is. Do people are people going to shell out ten to twenty bucks to go see Vince Vaughn? Because can you name his last three movies? Uh, Dodgeball. I, no, I, that, no, but no, I, his right. last three movies. No, I, that's three movies. This is my point. No. Yeah. Um, you know, and and the thing is, is I like Vince Vaughn whenever I see anything, but he always, to me, works. He's Vince a, Vaughn. He works a lot better as a supporting actor in something rather than the lead guy yeah like uh old school where yeah. you know he, he's got a, he, he almost needs a bit of a straight man to play off right him. yeah and or he can actually i think he plays the straight man or pretty he well plays too. a straight man really well yeah. too the yeah. slightly off center straight man. right right so i yeah i don't know i mean like this is not on my radar if like if it's on tbs one night you know a few years i'll probably end up watching it yeah unless i just hear it's amazing you know yeah uh, so those are both this weekend. There's one other one that I, I didn't put on the, the notes that I sent you that I, I just I was I found it fascinating that they actually made this. The uh, it was um, and now I can't remember it. Sorry, I don't. We know. can skip over it. Okay, uh, it's the the old folks retirement home movie that they made the sequel to. It's uh, got Dev Patel in it and Maggie Smith and... Um, Cocoon? No, oh. no. The Grand Budapest... No, not Budapest. That's the... Uh, sorry. Grand Marigold Hotel or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, mean, I, I just found it curious that they made a sequel to this. Hmm. So that, that comes out this weekend also. Well, that'll, that'll catch the grandparent demographic. Uh, next week from the time of this recording, Friday, March 13th, uh, I guess the big one is Cinderella. Yeah, coming out. Um, I, I mean, I, look, I do Disney Vault Talk. I love Disney animation. Um, for me, even their older stuff, their live action movies have always been hit and miss. I've not seen Maleficent. Maleficent, I forget how to say her name. I've heard great things, and I feel like you know, and they're obviously they're doing these live action versions of a lot of their characters. Uh, Emma Watson signed on to be um, Belle in a Beauty and the Beast mm-hmm. live action film. Um, and Dan Stevens is playing Beast. Oh, yeah? Well, uh, if there are any uh, Downton Abbey fans out there, they surely know who Dan Stevens okay. is. Didn't know that. Um, I don't know. I'm, I don't really watch Downton Abbey. Uh, the, Believe it or not, I'm a huge Downton Abbey fan. Do you think, do you think this is going to make more money because it's Cinderella or because they're promoting this Frozen trailer? Well, or I think Frozen it's a combination short. of both. I think it's it's certainly brilliant mm-hmm. to put this Frozen... It's not a trailer. It's a short cartoon. Short film. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I got the wrong thing. Yeah, the short so film. So putting this Frozen uh, short film on the front of it, I think is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I'm certain that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of kids who are going to want to go see that. Sure, sure. Um, and yeah. then you know, I've actually started. I've seen some good reviews for this. Uh, Cinderella is directed by Kenneth Branagh. Well, who you, you know directed the first <laughs> Thor movie and right. is famous for all of the uh, Shakespeare, Shakespeare things stuff. that he's yep. done. 
Um, and I've seen a lot of people raving about about this movie and that this is one of his better ones. I was going to say, quite a while. I didn't realize Brana was had done this, uh, had directed this. This is so much in his wheelhouse, being able to be, you know, almost Shakespearean, but having that fairy tale element to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, look, the, the trailers look great. It's just not something that is appealing to me. The story of Cinderella is just, for me, it's not something I'm like, yes, I've got to go see this. Right. Yeah. Well, and the casting of Lily James, I think, is pretty clever, too. She, um, she's really made quite a role for herself. Again, another actor from Downton Abbey. But uh, she plays Lady Rose on Downton Abbey and is kind of becoming a fan favorite on that show. Um, and so I think that I think her cast as Cinderella is really good casting. Yeah, and you know who I really dig, who always just kind of pops off the screen for me, is Stellan Skarsgård yes. as the Arch Grand Duke. He's someone, I mean, ever since, I, I think the first thing I was aware of him in was back in Goodwill Hunting. Mm-hmm. And and just his, that, that little bit of an accent he has and, and his performance, you know, sometimes it's, it's very downplayed so that when he gets big, it's that much bigger. And I just, I always dig him on screen, so... Um, so like I say, I won't be running out to see this, but I know it's going to do big money, man. It's going to be huge. That actually surprises me, my friend, Mr. Co-host of Disney Vault Talk. Listen, I thought this one was going to be right in your wheelhouse. No, true. Like I say, for me, it's more the animated Disney stuff that I've always loved. And I'm, I'm sorry. I finally got to watch Big Hero 6, by the way. Not the best animated movie. Oh, come on. No. Come, who, what, what, what was better than Big Hero 6? Of the ones that were nominated, yeah. I thought How to Train Your Dragon 2 was... Okay, well, it, I didn't see How was, to Train Your Dragon 2, but yeah. I'm telling you what, I loved Big Hero 6. It was good, but I just thought it was... I thought it was very formulaic. Well, I, lo- I guess I love formulaic. <laughs> I'm a sucker for formula because I, I laughed when I was supposed to laugh. I yeah. cried. I was mad. I texted Teresa. I'm like, why did you tell me to watch this movie? Why is he leaving him there? You know, I was just so mad. And then I was happy. And then did you stay all the way through the credits? Of course, I love the Stan Lee cameo. Best Stan Lee cameo ever. So, uh, also coming out next Friday, uh, Liam Neeson and Ed Harris. My Atlanta, I didn't know Ed Harris was in this movie. That might get me to the movie theater the, for run all the- night. Old men with a particular set of skills has gone to a new level in that they're introducing the old man villain with a particular uh, set of skills. This is like, this is like uh, uh, Expendables light. Uh, I mean, Ed, I love Ed Harris. Ed Harris is just, he's one of those actors, they could film eating hair yeah. and I would watch him do it. I mean, I just dig. I didn't realize he was in this movie. Um <laughs> uh, but i mean so this is what taken seven something like yeah. that I, from from what i could gather from the trailer you know liam neeson's son gets into trouble with ed harris and you know liam's got to step in and save his son and basically take on like all of new york city and doing so or mm-hmm. something like that so <laughs> <laughs> run all night. I will run all night. And you know, we might as well, we, even though it doesn't come out the same weekend, it comes out the following weekend, we might as well lump the other old man with this particular set of skills movie into this too, <laughs> The Gunman. And in this case, kind of interesting, it's Sean Penn. Oh. 
stepping into that into Sp- that role. Spakowski. Uh, um, so you know he's ex special forces supernova seal dude spy guy or whatever who you know the company is shutting things down and closing off all of their assets and basically erasing everyone and you know he's got a he's determined to uh it sounds like he's determined to uh you know make the story public and so everybody's after him and there's all you know ray winston and Idris Elba and Javier Bardem, who Man. is one of my favorite guys playing yeah. bad guys these yes. days. Yeah, oh, they're all in it. And interestingly, the gunman is directed by the guy who directed Taken, oh. which really kind of put these movies on the map. Even though <laughs> right. Luke Besson had kind of been doing these with Jason Statham and those kind of guys for a while yeah. now, but it was you know Liam coming in and saying you know okay A list talent. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it was the gravitas that Liam Neeson brought to a role like this that really yeah. made those things. Because people are like, what? And those trailers for that first Taken trailer was so well done. Yeah. I mean, it just called everybody around here, and they're like, oh, I've got to go see this. I mean, we've got guys who are no- were nominated for Best Actors and, and stuff like that now doing these movies. Yep. Yeah, well, I mean... Uh, anything for a dollar. I, someone, yeah. I was having a conversation. In some cases, Oscar winners. Kevin Costner did one like last year. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was having a conversation with some guys, and they were bringing up people like De Niro, and Pacino, and some of the stuff that they've done recently. You know, and and they're like, why would they do this? And I'm like, because they just love to act. Yeah. You know, it doesn't. Exactly. You know, it, and I'm like, and and they're making pretend for a living. It's not like. You know the the roles that they had in Taxi Driver or The Godfather too were are actually who these guys are. They just were they just were really great for those roles, and yep. and they left a lasting legacy and impression. I'm like, why would you pigeonhole them into having to do something amazing every time out? They just like to go get in front of, of a camera and act. Yeah. So and, so and of course. Sorry. Well, so of course Robert De Niro is going to say, yeah, I'll play uh, the bad guy in Rocky and Bullwinkle. Right. You know and. And I don't ever begrudge an actor for doing that kind of stuff. Um, well, you know, Michael Caine famously was not able to pick up his Best Supporting Actor Oscar because he was off filming Jaws 4. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he yeah. readily admitted that, you know, it, it paid for a house. Yep. Well, and Jaws 4, ladies and gentlemen, is not good. No. Uh, <laughs> Jaws. It takes revenge. It's Jaws the Revenge, meaning the but shark these, uh, is mad at the family. Yeah. Well, yeah. These uh these action flicks, you know, they, they don't cost a lot to produce. Right. They are easy to market overseas because an explosion and a gunshot are an explosion and a gunshot, no matter what language it's in. Right, right. Well, so and let me tell you something. We're just gonna keep we're gonna keep getting them. Hey, they're marketable in the South. You have no idea how much people like these kind of movies down yeah. there. I mean, they're just like, y'all see that? That was pretty bad, man. What yep. he did. That was amazing. I, I have to admit, I'm really curious about this. the gunman with Sean Penn. Uh, just because yeah, it's Sean Penn. Who, right. who doesn't want to see what this guy's doing? Or, yeah, or what he can do at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, I'm sorry, two weeks, uh, March 20th, also big one that'll probably overshadow the gunman, don't you think? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Divergent uh, series, Insurgent. Now, Eris, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I never saw that first movie. 
everyone was I, there weren't even a lot of people raving about it like it'd get brought up i'm like no why would i go see that they're like it's this amazing book series you will love it yeah and i'm like i don't think i will but okay have fun you know i don't i it, i've never been emailed about it on the show like it's this it's this weird thing that apparently is just making gangbusters type money but but for my audience and for me personally, it just has not been on the radar at all. No, it hasn't been on my radar either. The first one's, uh, you know, it's making the rounds on the the pay cable channels now, and mm-hmm. I, I've seen maybe a couple minutes of it here or there. But it just it, it's not something that's uh, that's grabbed me. Even, uh, although I like Shalane Woodley, I think she's a good actor. I loved her in the um, in the George Clooney movie a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, this this Divergent series not on my radar. Although interestingly, the sequel is again being broken up into parts one and two. The like like the sequel. Yeah, to the, this the one? next one. Okay. I, I guess the third book. Okay. They're, you know they're gonna turn it into two movies, and this is something that just has to stop. I agree. I agree. I, I mean, it started. Was Harry Potter the first one to do it? Yeah. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. After just having read the Harry Potter series, and I, you know, I read those books as the last few movies were coming out, um, and and just seeing the how much was in, you know, like Order of the Phoenix is so huge. And yeah, and, there's a lot know, that didn't make it onto. There's the a lot that right, and so. I can totally see why with that final book they wanted to make sure they did it just right for everybody. Make all the money we can. In five um, years when they reboot the Harry Potter movies, each of them will probably be at least two movies. Right. You know, and but it has started this trend of of all this stuff and I'm not, you know, and it's and it's and it's creeping over into our superhero movies too. I mean, you know, what we've got Justice League part 1 and 2, we've got Avengers and Infinity yeah. Wars part 1 and 2. And it's just like I just want to don't know. I just want to see them. Don't do this to me. <laughs> and, and just uh, unfortunately, they're going to keep doing it because these movies keep making bank. Did well, let me ask you this: Was it the Twilight series, the Harry Potter series, that did it first? Harry Potter. Was I it think, Harry? Okay. Did it first. All right. Yeah, um, but you know, uh, the Hunger Games series just did it, yep. and you know what? What did that part one bring in? Like three hundred million dollars this was, fall? I think it was like the highest grossing film of last year, wasn't it? I believe it may have like just edged out uh, Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, we saw it with The Hobbit. Took what should have been one movie and turned it into three. Well, you know, uh, mm, that's a whole other ball of wax, least, man. At, at, at least two. A, two, a, I could have lived. I'm with, just. But gonna, I really thought stretching it to three was too much. Well, I'm going to tell you this: I've not seen the last two. I only saw the first one because okay. because I was disappointed with the fact that they felt like they had to throw in all the stuff from the appendices of the Lord of the Rings. And it kind of ended up painting the Hobbit in a much more, a much darker light than what the book reads. Right. And, and I just love the Hobbit as it is as a book so much. And, um, and so I, you know, I, I, I don't know. And so when I saw that first, I'm like, I don't know if I can sit through the next two, you know, and, so I haven't I haven't taken the opportunity yet to, to see those, but I agree with you. I feel like they stretching into three movies was a little much because you went and not just three movies, Eric, but like three epically long yeah, movies, two and a half, three hour movies. Yeah, you know. 
So if they did, if they redid Lord of the Rings now, it'd be like a, it would be a six movie series. If they, if they were yeah. to go back and redo Lord of the Rings, cause those extended editions, man, I love them. I, I think they're beautiful, but they're each like four hours plus long. Mm-hmm. And, and like each, even on the Blu-ray, it's like part one is on one disc. Part two is on the next disc of each yeah. movie. And when I was showing some friends Lord of the Rings back in the day, I was like, well, all I've got is the extended editions. And so we would, we literally watched each part as a movie over the course of about, you know, four or five weeks. So, but anyhow, Divergent, I don't know. I mean, I won't go see it just cause I hadn't seen the first one. And, and this is another one that someone's going to have to make me sit down and watch for me to watch, you know? Yeah. But I think it's going to be successful. And oh, I sure. think that I think it's probably built its audience via the first movie being out on, you know, DVD, Blu-ray, and now on cable. Um, I, I think that I wouldn't be surprised if the second one does better. Um, and, you know, it, unless Cinderella has strong legs into its second and third weekend, mm-hmm. it's not going to have much competition. So. No, mm-hmm. no. Um, and then finally, the final week of March here, uh, there's an animated uh, movie from DreamWorks, I believe, called Home. Yeah. And um, Jim Parsons and Rihanna and Steve Martin. Yeah. Steve Martin is the only thing that excites me about this. I actually, on the uh, Watch Disney XD app, watching Star Wars Rebels, um, they showed like a preview for this movie a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And what they showed, I was just like, they they show a moment where this girl is riding around with this alien and he's kind of freaking out about a cat purring on his head. He's like, is it going to explode? I'm like, that's yeah. cute. And I was like, that's cute. But then she's like, oh, we got to take a pee break. And so they're at a public bathroom and you hear him. She's kind of, you know, fit, crimping her hair in the mirror or whatever, you know, kind of fixing herself up. And um, and she hears him in the other room. Oh, my gosh, don't eat the blue mints. Fortunately, there's some nice lemonade over here. Do yeah. not drink the lemonade. I'm like, okay, so that's what you're putting out on the trailer. Obviously, there's not much value, you know, as far as funny goes here. Um, if if these are the jokes you're going for to show, to to bring people in, I don't see how there's going to be much funnier in the movie. DreamWorks peaked to me with Shrek and, and well, I take that back. I no, love how to train, how to train dragon, your dragon. Man. Yeah. I was going to say how to train your dragon is really, really good. I hadn't seen the second one, but I love that first one. It was Highly really, really recommend good. the second one. I'll check so, it out. Yeah. I need to check it out. Gorgeous animation in the second one. Dude, the first one was beautiful. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Just, I mean, just too fun and exciting. Yes. Like, had some great moments in yep. it and stuff. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, was... with with home, it's just you know, it's the the fish out of water story being the alien, and it just feels like it's hitting on a lot of a lot of the same stuff we've seen already over and over and over again. Yeah, I I think I'll just watch Lilo and Stitch. So. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and I, yeah, I was just going to bring up Lilo and Stitch. That's know? what I, I think... thought when I saw it. I'm like, yeah, well, they're trying and, to do Lilo and that's and the one that's done really really well. Mm-hmm. And as a Disney movie, it was so different than other Disney movies at the time. Yeah. Because we'd gone through that, you know, princess renaissance, and here comes Lilo and Stitch with El- with an Elvis soundtrack, and you know, and all this other stuff going on, and 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 that that whole campaign ad campaign, you know, where he was just kind of showing up in the scenes of these other movies, these other Disney movies, yeah, was just great. So. And I, I love <laughs> and I love that in the uh, in the Disney Star Wars uh, mashups, he's the emperor. Yeah, I always think he's that's perfect funny. as the emperor. Yes, yes. 
Well, finally, the final uh, movie from March, uh, Will Ferrell, who is one of my favorite funny people in the entire world, by the way, and Kevin Hart teaming up for Get Hard. I think this is a brilliant pairing. I, I mean, Will Ferrell still has big drawing power, and Kevin Hart is just smoking hot right now. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a really, really clever pairing, and it, it looks pretty funny. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna play the trailer here if I can get it to play because I've not actually... All right, that's uh, not quite as family-friendly as we like to be on Geek Out Loud. Well, but... you played the Red Band trailer, oh, probably. That's the one you put in the, in the email. It's oh. the official trailer, too. Okay. Second official trailer. But, uh, oh, my gosh, when he's like, <laughs> she's like, I've just got to act like every stereotype he thinks I am. You don't go, where are you walking? She turns around and just starts beating the mess out of him. Yeah. And that, oh, that's, that part definitely had me laughing the first time I saw it. And at the beginning, when he's walking through the hood, like he's got on camouflage pants, busting sag. He's got like on this bright orange vest with, you know, some kind of colors on under. And and everyone's just giving him the stink eye big time. He's like, they've never seen a white man before. And he's like, I don't think that's a problem, bro. <laughs> Yeah, this is, uh, look, uh, like I say, I love Will Ferrell and have for a long time since, I mean, since the SNL days. And um, and I like both Anchorman. I really like the extended version of Anchorman 2, um, better, which was on Netflix for a minute. I don't know if it's still there. Better than the theatrical release of Anchorman 2. It was just more well edited and put together, and, and the jokes flew, you know, flowed a lot better in that. But, oh, man, Will Ferrell's just... I just watched uh, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby again the other day, and I hadn't seen that in a while and definitely liked it a lot better this this last time that I watched it. That's a movie that still gets quoted around me and and people. I like to picture baby Jesus as a mischievous badger. (laughs) I like to picture Jesus with a tuxedo T-shirt because it says, I'm cool, I'm I'm formal, but I like to party. And when he's when he's looking at when he looks at Michael Clark Duncan, he's like, I hope you have children. I hope you don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> so that oh. one might I mean, you know, if I've got some friends to go with or something, that one might get me out of the house to go check that one out. But uh but yeah, man. So Could uh, be a good date movie for Rena and Cody. I don't know that I would suggest Rena and Cody go see Get Hard with Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart. I no. I may suggest to them Cinderella. That, isn't that a little cliche, though? Okay, well, fine. Um, run all night. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah, just don't go, don't go see home. <laughs> yes, no, don't don't do that. I, I can't. I, no, no lemonade and mints. No, don't do that. Don't do that at all. Well, Arish, man, uh, that's March. Uh, yeah. I, I know. Well, like, I mean, there's there's a bunch of other little things opening here and there. Sure. I mean, the point isn't that we're going to talk about every movie opening. Right, right. just the stuff the that, that may stick out or, yeah. or or we have some kind of pithy commentary to make. Yeah. And so. April, mm. April, you got to put your big boy pants on. Oh, yeah? Strap yourselves down. It's gonna, is, it, is it big times coming in April? We're, we're, talking, we're talking a little Furious 7. Oh. We're talking a little Fury Road. 
A lot of fury in April. April is going to be one furious <laughs> month with tons of speed and lots of cars smashing up. April is ticked off. Yes, and I can't <laughs> wait. I hear you. We'll have to talk about the whole Fast and the Furious series at some point because I've only seen the first one. Oh, yeah, my friend. I know. I, I hear it. I hear that they will. We'll, we will be marathoning now all six movies at, at Team Del Rey before uh, oh, yeah? we go to see Furious Seven. I hear that there is that that they really turn the corner with five and just really reclaim the franchise. Uh, it's just good stuff. Yeah, yeah. we have a uh, we have a bulletin board out, outside our offices and. For almost two years now, we've been doing it. We put up uh, a motivational image uh, from Vince um, from Vin Diesel's Facebook page. <laughs> he has like a hundred million followers on his Facebook right? page, and the, we call it the Weekly Vinspiration. I am Groot. Um, so we are uh, we are huge nice. Fast and Furious nice. fans well. and Team Delray. So we're we're highly. <laughs> Looking forward to this one. Can I just skip to that fifth one that everyone says is so good, or do I need to watch all of them? You kind of actually, they they loop back to the third one to Tokyo Drift. You really need to go and watch all of them. Okay, all right. They're, they're all coming into play now. Okay, you'll well, be glad you did. All right. Well, I I may try to I may try to squeeze some in if I can. I highly recommend it. If I can get my they're, hands on, they're easy. It's. It's a Friday night. You turn your brain off and you, you watch a little Fast and Furious. I hear you. Well, we'll check it out. I'll, I will check it out on your recommendation as I have the opportunity to. Yeah, fun stuff. All right, man. Well, that's past the corn for this week. I guess in a couple of weeks we'll get back together and, and take a look at some classic movies. Yeah, let us know what you guys think. Hashtag pass the corn. Hashtag pass the corn. Hey, Irish, pass the corn. Hey, Steve, will do. All right, we'll see you, man. Always a blast, my friend. Thanks my so brother from another mother. I hear you. Thanks a lot, bro. We'll yep. talk to you soon. Yep. All right, Bye. see you. Bye. And that, my friends, is Eris Schoenweiss, uh, Delway, Delway, from Delway Publishing. <laughs> from Delray Publishing. He uh, he can be found on Twitter, at Darth underscore Duff. Let him know how much you enjoy him here on Geek Out Loud um, and oh, and I didn't bring this up to him. I meant to tell him while he was talking because before the before the show started, proper, um, I always play a little bit of music while I'm getting the final things. You know, all my stuff kind of thrown back together. And of course, I had to play a little bit of this action. This is, this is, of course, the unofficial house band of the Big Honkin' Show in the entire Goliverse. It's Rock Sugar, lead singer Jess Harnell, voice actor Jess Harnell. They're, they do mashups, and it's great. We'll take a break, and when we come back, oh, my Lanta.
rolls along now as we get into a couple of things before we close out that I want to touch on. Um, first off, there was an article uh, on comingsoon.net uh, referring to, uh, it says, Warner Brothers CEO says DC films are edgier than Marvel. Okay, that's fine. It's the quotes within said article that I want to discuss just momentarily. Uh, for decades, the article says this from comingsoon.net. For decades, DC and Marvel Comics have maintained a good-natured rivalry, with the latter also... Uh, why can I not read tonight? With the latter often referring to the former as the distinguished competition. Although discussions among fans don't always maintain quite the same level of decorum, the DC versus Marvel, Marvel debate is one that's probably not going to get settled anytime soon. That isn't stopping Warner Brothers chairman, CEO... Kevin Sujihara, however, from throwing some gasoline on the fire. He says the worlds of DC are very different. They're steeped in realism, and they're a little bit edgier than Marvel's movies. Uh, he said this at the Morgan Stanley Technology Media and Telecom Conference, and, this, and, this, and that was a quote that they picked up, uh, coming soon picked up from Variety. Uh, he goes on to say the key thing is, that movies and television shows and the games, everything looks different. You have to be able to take advantage of the diversity of these characters. The big franchises are becoming more valuable. You don't have to explain to the consumer what a Superman v. Batman is. <clears throat> he also talked a little bit about the fact that, uh, unlike Marvel's approach, Warner Brothers has been experimenting with multiple live-action adaptations of key properties. Gotham can exist on Fox in a world separate from the upcoming Batman v. Superman Dawn of Justice. While Grant Gustin can play a small screen flash with Ezra Miller stepping into the role with the company's with the company's big screen universe, you know, I I think I want to start with this. I think the point that that Warner Brothers has been experimenting with multiple live action adaptations is is on point, and I think it's something they should have done a long time ago. Um, people, fans were clamoring for Bruce Wayne after they started having, 
guest stars, if you will, guest heroes show up in Smallville, people were clamoring for Bruce Wayne. The writers wanted Bruce Wayne. The creative team wanted Bruce Wayne in Smallville, at least for an episode. And Warner Brothers said no. DC said no, because we have this Batman property out there. And it just always confused me and irked me that they didn't trust the consumer to know what was what. And now they're doing that. And so I say kudos to Warner Brothers for that. Uh, Arrow has been super strong on the CW. The Flash is my second favorite TV show on television right now, behind the Star Wars Rebels. I love The Flash, and it's not just because we're doing a podcast. I This is a show that I have eaten up and just absolutely love. They've given me stuff on that show that I never thought I'd see done on a live-action television show. The Flash had the guts to go where I think no other superhero television show has gone ever. Uh, they put him in the suit quick, and they're, and they're giving us stuff fast, 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 fast. We the, the closing shot of the last episode of Flash was the reverse Flash standing next to Gorilla Grodd. Hello? that That's huge. That's something we've never seen or never thought you'd see on TV. And I'm not like this huge Grodd fan. I'm not a huge reverse Flash fan. It's just the idea of seeing these type of characters on screen, on the small screen. You know, not having to pay for a ticket and go see it. And then knowing that we'll probably get to spend a little bit of time with them down the road. And that's what's really cool. And quite frankly, Marvel hasn't hit that same stride with their television properties. Agent Carter was great. um, And I think it was great and well-received because it was different. It was something different than than anything else Marvel's trying to do. And the shared universe crossing over into S.H.I.E.L.D., I mean, I think think the biggest, one of the biggest reasons that the S.H.I.E.L.D. had a weak starting you know, starting season, starting opening in the first season was because of being having their hands tied for the whole thing that was coming to Captain America Winter Soldier. Uh, for whatever reason, we lost the Incredible Hulk show that was in production for ABC. And, you know, they're doing some great animated stuff. But, you know, on TV, DC, the DC properties, Warner Brothers has it down. Movie-wise, and this is where I kind of, you know, I don't take umbrage. I'm not, Who am I to take umbrage with anything? Um, I just disagree with the... The, with the CEO and chairman of Warner Brothers, when he says they're sti- that the D- the worlds of DC are steeped in realism, um, no, they're not. In fact, uh, the the thing that always set Marvel apart from DC in the comic books, especially back when you had the launch of things like Spider Man and the Fantastic Four and 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 even the Hulk, was the idea that there were real people. That these were people dealing with real problems. They were arguing with one another. They were. They weren't getting along. They had to come to some kind of common ground. Uh, the stories, you know, Fantastic Four eventually would start the trend of being set in New York, a real city, you know, with real landmarks where, where artists could actually draw real things in the city. And, you know, whereas Superman's in Metropolis and Batman's in Gotham and you have uh, Star City and Central City and Coast City and and all these places that don't really exist in the world in D.C. And I know that's kind of a shallow example, but, you know, from there, when you get down to the roots and the origins of a lot of these characters, what what he's really saying is is Batman is edgier than Marvel's movies. And, and I really feel like that what Warner Brothers did was they looked at the success of Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy, which, guys, I mean, straight up, it's good stuff. Batman Begins is one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. The Dark Knight... I really love it's beautiful it's wonderfully shot Heath Ledger's Joker is amazing um I I feel like it's a little long I've said that before but it's not that's not me saying it's a terrible movie I still dig it The Dark Knight Rises I was excited about it you know for the longest time after I saw it 
But then I really kind of got to thinking about it, and, and for me it was just, it was a great closure to Nolan's trilogy, but I didn't like it as a closure to a Batman story, per se. And I hope that you can understand the difference there. You know, I, I didn't like his take on the character of Bruce Wayne and Batman as, you know, in his, where he was at mentally and, and, and everything in, in The Dark Knight Rises. But, having said that, what those movies did for Warner Brothers and for the DC franchise properties was huge. It was a big deal. And and I think that the studio took that and said, well, we've got to do everything like this. And so Man of Steel had that, you know, thing about it. And, you know, Man of Steel is, is not a bad movie. I, it, it, I, the, my biggest criticism, I've said this a bazillion times on this show, is the shaky camera. It's like, just put that thing on a tripod and you've got me. You know, take my money. The, the destruction and stuff that everyone was talking about never bothered me. I came to terms with the Zod thing. You know, I loved what Derek Russell said when we were talking about it on Geek Out Loud. He's like, Superman has one rule. He doesn't kill. And this is why. We see why he doesn't kill. Um, it hit the right emotional beats for me. I do still to this day have a problem with the way that Jonathan Kent died, but that didn't ruin the movie for me. And and so, but when it comes to what Marvel has done with their franchises, is Marvel to me has had these characters literally step off the page and step into the movie theater in a way that no superhero had done before. It started with Iron Man, and and just from there, it, it just got to me progressively better and better and better. That no, no studio has has treated superheroes with the respect and and treated their source material with the respect that Marvel Studios has treated its source material, being the comic book origins. Uh, and I don't mean like their origin stories, but like where they came from, where these characters came from. They they've not no other studios treated it with with that kind of respect. You look as far back as as even you know Superman the movie. I think Donner came close with, with doing it that way. He gave us a Superman that was familiar in the '70s and Lex Luthor and that sort of thing. Greatest criminal mind of our time wouldn't fly in today's day and age, but you know Donner set it out. And, and honestly, I'm telling you straight up, man. And 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 you can you know if you watch Superman the movie. What you see is a movie that may or may not hold up. The effects, to me, really hold up. The storyline, maybe not so much. But what you see is someone who's like, we've just got to stick with what's on the page. You know? Is this true to the character? Is this true to the story? Is this true to the heart of what's been on the page here? And, man, I mean, let's be honest. Superman was not able to step out of the shadow of those Donner films for years and years and years. I'm talking about the character of Superman. Just because, or that Donner film, you know, just because it was so definitive in what was done with a superhero. Um, Tim Burton's works don't age quite as well. Uh, Batman and Batman Returns don't age quite as well as what Superman and Superman 2 did for me. Uh, and this is my opinion. I'm not saying that this is fact. I'm just saying for me, they don't age quite as well. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, Batman Forever, I like Batman Forever better than I like Batman Returns, and, and we all know about Batman and Robin, but when you hit, Sam Raimi did it with the first Spider-Man, but even then, they didn't trust the Goblin situation. I'm talking just from an aesthetic point of view. They just didn't trust it. You know, they're like, well, we got to put him in this different suit. We got to have this. We got And it's like, just trust it. Just trust what's on the page, and try to be as close to what's on the page as you can, 
that'll, that'll work on screen. A, a few prosthetics on Willem Dafoe's face would have been amazing, you know, because he's got this this face and these cheekbones and the way he smiles. It's just been, you know, but that is what could have been. I'm just saying that you see it in those er, in the early 2000s, starting with X Men. You see how the creators didn't fully trust what was presented, and Marvel. Studios, when they put Iron Man out, they're like, "We'll just trust what this this character, for good or for ill, has been around since the '60s. We're going to trust what's on the page. We're going to trust what's the heart of this character, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll put him in a clunky old, uh, you know, uh, big oversized suit to start out with. He'll get out of that. We'll put him in the red and gold, and uh, we'll make it work. And they did." And and they kept the character origins. The only thing they did to ship those origins was they just updated it to a different war and a different time. Why not? It works. And and I don't, you know, I'm just saying that when you start talking about being steeped in realism and being a little bit edgier than Marvel's movies, I don't know that you get... I don't know that that's a... I don't know that's a good thing. You know, I don't know that when you're dealing with legends that you have in the DC universe, and they are legends, um, I don't know that it's good to go that edgy route. And that's that's just been my my overall critique of, of that. Um, and uh, but it, it's good to see. You know, this really kind of gives you it it opens you up to what they're doing at DC. I like I like the diversity we're getting on TV. Um, I, it makes me hope for a crisis type situation where all these different universes get brought together. How cool would that be? I'm just saying, just saying, uh, not that it'll ever happen, but I'm just, I'm just saying how cool it'd be. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you get, uh, how, how edgier makes something better necessarily is all I'm saying, but, but it is a good insight into their philosophy on superhero movies. Now, Having said that, you know, with, with DC being so much edgier, their movies being so much edgier, and by movies he means like the one that they've got out so far, Man of Steel. Um, this drop this earlier this week. This 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 thing happened. I was designed to save the world. People who look to the sky and see hope. I'll take that from them first. There's only one path to peace. Their extinction. Try to create a suit of armor around the world. Create something terrible. Artificial intelligence. It's called the Ultron program. I'm sick of watching people pay for our mistakes. Isn't why we fight so we can end the fight and go home? Well, you amazingly failed. Nothing but our wit and our will save the world. So stand and fight. 
no way we all get through this. I got no plans tomorrow night. Come on, picking up after you boys. We can tear them apart. From the inside. You can do! <laughs> what you just heard was the audio for Avengers Age of Ultron, the latest trailer and the final trailer, most likely uh, to be released, trailer number three. And goodness gracious me, goodness gracious me, in the words of of C three PO, um, I uh, it, it's one of these things where even watching it back just now, I'm like, eh, was it really that good? And then I watch it, I'm like, oh my gosh, it, it's like, are they gonna do it again? One of my fears uh, with the first couple of trailers we got was, it didn't seem as fun as what the Marvel movies had seemed. Um, here we're getting a couple of, you know, the little quips and one-liners that we got. I'd totally forgotten about the scene that they showed um, in in the really extended trailer of, of everyone trying to lift Thor's hammer. But, you know, you go back and you, and you watch the trailers for Avengers, which we did with those first uh, Age of Ultron trailers, and you, and you see that those aren't really you know, the happiest of, of trailers. And so it's it's really easy to assume that we're going to get something amazing uh, out of this film. Uh, I want to talk really quickly about the poster that was released. If I could, if I could bend the ear of Kevin Feige or anyone at Marvel Studios and just say, stop doing the Photoshop pose posters. Bring back the classic, you know, even Drew Struzan is retired, and, and I know that, you know, you're not going to get Drew Struzan necessarily to do a poster, but there are artists out there who are comparable to what he could do. Uh, we see it all the time with uh, the Mondo posters and that sort of thing. Hire someone out. Take, you know, get the get this Photoshop look and then give it to someone and, and make an epically painted, non-Photoshop looking poster for this thing that people will want to collect and people want to spend money on and people want to have in their houses or on their walls or in their offices. Um, but I'm telling you that's, if your criticism is the posters Photoshop, then you're starting from a pretty good place. Uh, it looks like this is going to be a kind of global spending. I don't, I can't figure out this castle that, they open up on this shot with, but it's really cool to see Ultron sitting on a throne. He's talking to Vision and Scarlet, not Vision, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. I'm led to believe, uh, I'm led to believe that this is, this castle is where we see Baron Von Strucker at the end, uh, after the credits of Captain America Winter Soldier. And I'm also led to believe that Ultron may be freeing these two. It may not be the Avengers that go after him here. It may be Ultron that does. I don't know because we also see them we see them fighting in the woods. We'll fight them in the air. We'll fight them on the sea. We we see them in different places. I don't I can't string together the the timeline of this movie from this thing, but there's one moment that I think is going to be one of the most poignant 
moments of all Marvel movies that happens in this trailer. Um, and it's a moment where there's a bridge collapsing and Captain America runs and grabs a car by the bumper and the bumper breaks off in his hand. And I'm sure this will have some drama to it. The trailer is leading us to believe that he fails at saving the people who are in that vehicle about to go over the side. Avengers Tower looks amazing. Tony Stark talks about wanting to build a suit of armor around the world. Bruce says, uh, you know, artificial intelligence. And, uh, and, and in a different conversation, of course, it's the old, he, he mentions Ultron. Here's the moment in the trailer. Because it's cut so fast, you're led to believe that no one survived in that or that the car went on over the bridge. Man, I, I hope that's not the case. But if it is, what an incredibly poignant moment for Captain America, you know? Uh, Ultron says, I want to tear them apart from the inside. You know, I had some criticism of Iron Man 3 where I was talking about the idea that, you know, Rhodey got his armor taken over again and it happened in Iron Man 2. Loki tried to tear this team apart before it ever got together. That was his purpose for getting captured on the helicarrier. Um, Ultron, I mean, if he's going to do the same thing, I don't know. We see a quick shot of Scarlet Witch doing something to, uh, looks like control or, or put Black Widow in some state, but there's the red energy coming out of her hands into Black Widow's face. You know, you get the idea it's in her brains. And there's a shot in one of the other trailers of the Hulk turning around and his, and his eyes being kind of red. And so you got to wonder if, if the Scarlet Witch has gotten a hold of Hulk, and that's why he and Iron Man are fighting in the streets of uh, wherever they're at. Um, and I'm inclined to believe it is. The other big thing here is this shot of at the end of, of the Vision, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's a great shot. It's just his face. And it's too short. I mean, it really is. You want to, It's one of those things that make you want to see more because he's kind of lifting his head, almost waking up. And, um, and you see that he's green around the edges. He's got that yellow uh, crystal in, in his forehead, just like he does in the comics. His face is red. And when he opens his eyes, you can definitely tell it's not a person. It's an android because those things are like, mechanical cameras, you know, moving around and everything. And so, uh, I've never, look, I'm just going to be honest with you about my comic book experience and who I am in comic books to tell me, Hey, they're going to have vision in Avengers too. Okay. That's fine. That's kind of my reaction. My knee jerk reaction is All right. Well, that'd be cool. Good for them. They're going to, they're going to do the vision. Great. Good for them. Because the Vision was never one of my favorite characters in Marvel Comics. He's got a very interesting history. He and Scarlet Witch were an item for a while. Scarlet Witch has a very interesting history. Um, but all of a sudden I see it live like that, just that shot, and I'm like, oh my. I And I don't know if it's just their advertising duping me or if it's just all of a sudden the kid in me is like, this is really happening. This is what's taking place. Just the amazement that it looks like an android. You know, it looks like the Vision. He he stepped off the comic page. Why is it so bad for these characters to look like they look when we were reading them in the pages of Marvel Comics? Why is it so bad to have that type of wonder and that type of adventure 
to it. Why is it so bad? Why is edgy the, 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 the called for motivation for things? Why is real world? Guess what? Superman's not real. Batman's not real. You might be able to survive, you know, six to eight weeks doing the fullness of what Batman does. There's no one from a blown up planet who's come to this earth. Captain America, not real. The Incredible Hulk, not real. Thor, not real. Iron Man, not real. I'm I'm making this point that you're starting from a premise that is not real. Why are we trying to make it real? I guess I'm going back to the DC thing now. I should have informed you that that's kind of my mindset going. Because I'm just blown away by this shot of just the Vision's face. Just his face, the way it's a little bit pieced together. I don't see Paul Bettany in there. I'm sure that once we actually pull out and we get to see him full on, that we will. But just the Vision, the coloration is there. It's just right. You know, everything about this is just right. You know, right down to the... uh, to that yellow gem or whatever it is, the stone in his head. The I feel like it has something more to do with sensors and that sort of thing. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to really start hardcore reading the Avengers to kind of in my reading plan to to kind of get to where the Vision comes in because it's not too far down the road where Vision comes in. Um, to me, it's interesting that Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are kind of at least in this movie. It looks like teamed up with Ultron at least for the first part because. They both started out as villains and became Avengers, um, and and obviously, if Ultron's the one who rescues them from Baron von Strucker, then they're going to trust him. Stark does grab the Loki pokey stick. They do get in possession of that, and I'm still confused. I know people are saying it is, and I know that apparently someone in Marvel confirmed that it is. But when you watch the Avengers. They say that it gets its power from the Cosmic Cube, from the Tesseract, which is an Infinity Stone. So I'm still having a hard time believing that that thing is the Infinity Stone. And if it is an Infinity Stone, I would say that that is possibly uh, the Soul Gem because of what it does. It didn't really seem to control those guys' minds. It seemed to control them on a more, on a deeper level than just their brains. So I'm jumping all over the place here, and I apologize for it. I, I, I'm not really breaking this thing down piece by piece by piece. We're seeing uh, a lot of different things, some new stuff that we haven't seen. Ultron kind of relaying his plans. You know, Ultron is, is programmed. Ultron's kind of like Clue in Tron Legacy, where Clue's like, didn't you create me to, to make the perfect system? And he's like, yeah. He's like, well, what's the problem? He's like, it was already perfect. You know, you it, it's the imperfections. And Ultron's kind of the same way. He's like, I'm, I'm here to preserve the earth. I'm here to save humanity. And the best way to save humanity is to wipe them out all of them and uh james spader just sounds fantastic as ultron i like the fact that they're putting a little bit of uh you know they're obviously putting a little bit of filter on his voice but it's not like blatant i am going to take away hope you know i I always kind of wondered what ultron would sound like uh in my head and i always had him a little bit more robotic a little more staticky i guess but i love james spader and i love his voice and he and he's so menacing I mentioned already how good Avengers Tower looks. I love that A on Avengers. It's like it's just out there. Why did Tony just put it out there, you know, that this is Avengers Tower? Um, it's going, I, I, I'm just, I'm telling you, after seeing this, I'm totally stoked. Can we talk about Mark Ruffalo looking like Bill Bixby? 
I mean, he's got the hair. He is. He just. Oh, the 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 shirt choice that he's wearing. It, he's just in so many ways channeling. They're they're making sure that for those people like me who grew up on the Incredible Hulk show, that we feel at home with the look of Mark Ruffalo. It oh, so good. And the Hulk is just you know he's he's my favorite. Captain America's suit in this movie is cool because it's kind of a mashup between his suit in the Avengers, his suit in Winter Soldier, and his um and his World War II outfit. Uh, because it's got it's not all blue and white. It's got the red, white, and blue thing going. It's got that star kind of protruding, and uh, it looks a little more functional than even the one in in the first Avengers did. And he's rolling with the with the helmet, you know, at, rather than just a kind of a cowl kind of thing. So, yeah, it looks great. It, this just we got to see some hero shots of Hawkeye in this thing. We're seeing. Uh, I don't. I want to know what's going on in the woods and what's happening there and what's Hawkeye running from. Who are they fighting? That one hero shot of all of them just kind of, you know, leaping at the bad guys on the other side. It's very quick and it kind of slows down for us as we get to that moment. Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of been compared to the, the shot where it pans around them, uh, in Avengers, you know, where, where it kind of, where they're standing in a circle looking up and it pans around them. It's, it's kind of been compared to that's the shot of them all together. And you just wonder if that's going to be in the climax. Black Widow on the motorcycle. There's a shot in an earlier trailer of a motorcycle with the shield on, on the front. And some people are saying that Black Widow actually then puts the shield to use that way. Hulk and Iron Man fighting up a, up the side of a building. Quicksilver knocking Captain America out. It just it looks great. And then that joke at the end, is that all you've got? And Ultron calls the masses to him. And Cap's response you had to ask. So I let me tell you something. I am I am stoked. I think it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to Avengers coming in May. We're not far, not far at all from from Avengers in May. It just looks so, so good. Um, what is Tad? What is Tad put here for me, ladies and gentlemen? Um, here in here in the chat. Um. Uh, All kinds of stuff here. I don't know what all this stuff is. It's a link to Screen Rant. And it says it can't find the page I'm looking for. So I couldn't I couldn't get there, Tad. I'm sorry. Um <laughs> It didn't work, buddy. I'm sorry. Sorry to sorry everyone else who's listening to uh to have taken up time in the uh in the podcast to, to try to get that link. I'm I'm going to try to find you a different way, my friend, here. Let's see if I can get the chat to load here. Uh, here we go. No. No. Share it in there. Share it. It's a, it's a single picture, that wide shot. Yeah. I, I've seen that. That's what I'm saying. Is I've seen other, I've seen other screen caps of that, and it looks, it looks amazing. So, um, I just wanted to kind of geek out about that because I hadn't had a chance to yet. You know, that's what I wanted to do since we weren't able to do the Hobbit. I wanted to definitely come on and just, um, I just wanted to do that. Tad says, I've been calling that the Steve shot. I thought of you when I saw the shot. It's beautiful. It is fan freaking tastic. And 
And anyone who says otherwise just don't get it, man. Just totally don't get what, you know, what this is all about. This stuff is about the adventure. This stuff is about the whimsy. And, I, and I'm sorry. I just think that, uh, I think that Marvel Studios gets it. I think that, you know, it, it, you can't, it, why try to recreate? You know, why try to reinvent the wheel? Just do what works, man. Make it happen. So, I'm, that's all I'm saying. And that's going to wrap it up for us on Geek Out Loud. You can email us, geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Cody, Rena, we're rooting for you kiddos. Let us know. Let us know what you say. And if you say no, I've got a good sad walking away music for you, Cody. So if she says no, we've got the Hulk music queued up. If she says yes, well... We got plenty of music for that, my friend. So uh, so hang in there. I hope it goes well for you. We got a ton of emails we didn't get to. Uh, next week on the next episode, 125 of Geek Out Loud is going to be The Hobbit, our book read, our book club uh, discussion on J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. If you want to join in the book club, you can do so at thegoodreads.com. Goodreads.com. Oh my goodness, goodreads.com, we're the Goloverse group. You can get there by going to geekoutonline.com slash reads. Geekoutonline.com slash reads will take you right to that. Thanks to everyone who's joined us live in the chat at mixer.com slash Goloverse. We've had a blast tonight hanging out in the chat. All the uh, all the Mixer Zoo crew, as it were, hanging out in a big bad way. And appreciate you guys supporting us live. Uh Thanks to Erish for Pass the Corn. It's always good to have Erish on. He'll be back in a couple of weeks as we look back at some classic movies. And he's getting ready for Celebration out in Anaheim. Star Wars Celebration. Follow us on Twitter, at Geek Out Loud, at Steve Glosson. Erish is at Darth underscore Duff. And you can follow everything that's going on in all of the Goliverse at Goliverse on Twitter. Proud part of the Shot Glass Digital family. Head over to shotglassdigital.com for all kinds and all manner of great audio content from the guys at the Deuce Cast to the Techno Retro Dads to Skywalking Through Neverland and, of course, Rebel Force Radio and all the shows that they put out. Hey, check out uh, geekoutpodcast.com. Use those Amazon links. Continue to support us. We appreciate everyone who does that. If you're supporting us directly through patreon.com slash geekoutloud, thank you so much. If you want to jump in on that, do so. Our commentary for Thor The Dark World will be coming up soon this month, as well as later this month, Captain America The Winter Soldier. So make sure you're at the $5 level or higher to get those. And if you're at the $15 level or higher and you're waiting on your T-shirt, they're on the way. They're going out. Trust me, they'll be there before you know it. Appreciate you all so much. Love you all so much. You are truly the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe. Until next time, I'm Steve Glosson. We'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud. You